Hello, thanks for choosing to listen to this latest podcast from the University of Brighton. I'm Richard Newman and our guest this week is Harvey Ells, Principal Lecturer in the School of Sport and Service Management and the person behind our new nutrition course, which is launched for this academic year. We talked about how that came together, his PhD and his work here at the university. My role here is predominantly teaching. Historically, it's been on the retail marketing, retail management courses and the hospitality management courses. Um, I've also done a number of retail KTP projects um, with basically food SMEs. Um, And at the moment, I'm working on the validation, or have been working on the validation and the delivery now for September for our new uh, Nutrition BSc Honours Award. And we'll be talking about that new nutrition course very shortly. Um, be good to get to know a bit more about yourself first. So what's your background and what was your path here to the University of Brighton? Well, a long time ago, I started um, my career training as a butcher. And then I went working in the supermarket sector and I worked for a company called Safeway, who are one of the, the first global um, supermarket chains. Um, I had a, had a good career with them. I was uh, a retail store manager and then I moved into other aspects of operations, training, development, uh, recruitment and deployment. Um, so some specialist HR roles. Um, and after that, uh, the the corporate environment, I thought I could do with a, with a change. Um, it was a little bit insular in fairness and profit orientated. So uh, I took a career break. Uh, and actually came to the University of Brighton to to study. Um, as a result of that, an opportunity came up as a, a retail uh, lecturer. So I always enjoyed the training aspect of the the job when I worked for Safeway. And so ultimately, I, I took the post and I've not really looked back since. There's something. When you, what was your draw to um, to food and, and retail in the first place? What made you decide to? trained to be a butcher first of all and then go into into food re- retail uh i i think it, it just interested me i mean I'll, I'll be honest there were aspects of uh, kind of food poverty that i saw around me as a child so i think i don't know whether i took the wrong kind of interest in the food industry but it was always something that kind of actually fascinated me or, or something that i um I tended to observe probably more than other things that I saw around me. But it was predominantly where I used to grow up. There was this big new supermarket that turned up and it was a real wow factor. And it acted as, uh, as I think Cliff Guy said, that you know, new retail was very much about um, a, a new social event actually happening as well as a, a business event. So everybody ten- in the town tended to get drawn to that. And I think my interest really just stemmed from there. It was definitely seen as one of the, the bigger, more positive, forward-thinking employers. So um, it just went from there, really. Mm. And then you came to the university eventually to, to study. You've mm. obviously stayed on and um, ended up moving into into academia. So what was it that made you want to go into that, into teaching? I think, uh, in, in, in fairness, um, I wasn't learning that much more from the particular retail I was in, and I, I knew that um, there were other things that I wanted to do over the kind of life course of my career. Um, at the time, I'd been studying part time with the Open University, who were, you know, pretty good, um, and I kind of got an ap- appetite for for academia. So um, I've always pushed myself to try and learn new things. 
um, and that that's really what drew me towards it. I mean, to have the combination of being able to learn more and to impart some of the knowledge that I actually had from industry and to be able, um, you know, to deliver a, a good quality of an education and see the results over a short period of time, that, that appealed to me. So, um, yeah. What would you describe as your approach to teaching? How do you like to get students involved when you're, when you're teaching them? I like to, to just talk to them in a, in a kind of pragmatic and practical way, obviously to give them a sound academic underpinning to anything we're actually discussing, but to offer them a range of different perspectives on the topics that are under review. I think it's important that there is, in addition to the, let's call it the, the academic qualification and the framework, a, a kind of a life knowledge that sits in parallel with it. Um, and I'll always try to bring in kind of current examples, stress the importance of having an awareness of current affairs, um, try and offer a range of different actors' perspectives on whatever the topic under consideration is. Um, let's talk about the nutrition course, which is brand new here. How long has that been in the works? Uh, it's It's been thought about for a number of years, but um, we got... Uh, the go-ahead to validate it last November and there's been quite an intense period with all of the academics across the university that are involved in teaching aspects of food. So we, we first advertised it in December uh, last year and we've got um, our first cohort starting this September. So it's been quite a, a fast-paced journey but we think we've got a, a good quality product. Um, and we're certainly looking forward to, to getting our first cohort in and starting to work with them. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a bit of a, a unique course in some ways because it's kind of draws upon different schools and different expertise. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a, there's a number of different areas which customer and practice, you know, we, we've, we've taught well across the university from the public health perspective, from the... Um, from the medical school perspective, one of the, the team is, is introducing a lot of elements of nutritional education into the medical curriculum. Um, in the School of Sport and Service Management, we always taught subjects like sport, nutrition, but it draws all of those together while at the same time introducing, from my perspective, lots of elements of food consuming behaviour, food choices, um, and topics which are e equally important to somebody that's actually studying nutrition as a discipline. How much of an undertaking is it to pull together everyone and create this course? You said that obviously the, it's been a you know it's been a process which has been um, yeah an, inten an intense period to get it all sorted. Has it been a, a big challenge? Has it been quite an exciting one? Procedurally, it's been a big challenge. Um, it has been exciting, uh, but I think there is there's a willingness amongst the the academics who have historically taught food nutrition, food consumer behaviour. Everybody knew that it was a good idea. Everybody knew that it needed to happen. So there hasn't been any resistance at all in, in getting the thing actually um, put together and validated. So that that part of it's been been easy. Um, I guess the difficult part is is yet to come because we've got to make sure that the um, all of the the teaching materials and the resourcing is spot on from day one. But we're we're all committed to that, and um, we know that we can go, do a good job. I imagine it's quite a popular um, topic because um, at the moment there's so much focus on on well being, 
people are watching what they're eating a lot more they're also um supplementing sport training which is another thing that we focus on a lot here at the university of brighton so uh, it's quite a popular subject amongst you know teenagers as well you know the younger people are, are, are looking after themselves a lot more than than maybe you know when i was a teenager i think i think you're right and increasingly people are paying much more attention to to aspects of of food policy um which maybe five or ten years ago people weren't paying any attention to at all i think the, the issue is that we potentially we we've never had so much choice in terms of food we can have any kind of food whenever we want it um at a range of different prices uh, and increasingly um we, we still have a number of significant issues um the, the health concerns is is the more obvious one but the lancet recently published an article talking about a syndemic when um not only aren't our diets good for us but actually they're not great for the planet as well if you look at the amount of land that's used for example in meat production um fundamentally it can't go on we, we need to come up with new systems we need to modify what it is that we eat we need to cut down the amount of meat that we eat and we need well-trained, um, well-rounded alumni with nutrition degrees to actually be able to help facilitate that. Mm. I mean, I guess um, even the rise of the boom of veganism in the last... I don't know. I, I don't know how much I really heard of mainstream veganism over before, what, five, six years ago? We've all got to actually change. Mm. We've all got to eat less meat. And if we don't do it voluntarily, then those those choices might be either edited by the supermarkets or, or, or alternatively, we just won't be able to buy certain things. So, I mean, the fact that there are more vegans around, more people that label themselves as vegetarians around it, it's, it's a real positive. Um, I think to actually have more news stories actually centred on that gets people to actually think about their diets along with some of the bigger kind of political stories that are around at the moment um, particularly those that are centred on Brexit and food standards whatever happens in the next few weeks people will be thinking probably in some depth about what it is that they're eating how much they're eating and how the food supply chain actually works mm. that's, that's kind of what's getting at actually about the the fact that i guess you see a lot more people are thinking a lot more about especially what they eat in in during the week and weekdays people mm. a lot of people are cutting out a lot more meat you often see on twitter and like a, a maybe a, a trending by the end of the day of a hashtag meat free monday so mm. people are starting to change their habits a bit aren't they and that's quite a positive i think it is and this is where some of you know a, a lot of the more visible campaigns that you do actually see on on social media will, will help in that process i think we're, we're still for many people have a very very narrow focus of different types of foods that we eat for those of us that can choose and can afford to choose then we, we we probably need to to do a little bit more work on eating more of certain things and less of certain things but i think on the other side of it we also need to think about those people that actually don't have a choice in what it is that they're eating on a day-to-day basis and and we look at what it is that we can do as a wider society to make sure that there's better quality diets um, for everyone to consume particularly children what would you say to someone, a student that's looking to come and study 
nutrition here at the University of Brighton then? How would you convince them to come here? I guess pulling some of the best academics from across the university has got to be quite a good, uh, a good sell. Yeah, and I think we're passionate about what it is that we're doing. There will be a currency to it because we haven't taught a full nutrition degree before. And we've got a, a new facility that we're just redeveloping, the Culinary Arts Studio, which historically has been used for um, the hospitality programmes, and it still will be used for that for the next couple of years. We're putting in a mini lab. Uh, and within the School of Sport and Service Management, we've still got our five bases accredited sports labs and other facilities that the students can actually use. You know, the, So essentially there is a... There is a space that's been created for the nutrition cohort. It will give them an identity, but it will also enable them to integrate very, very quickly with all of the other cohorts that are being taught within the school, whether it be sport and exercise science or alternatively the public health course that's taught at Falmer. Best of luck with the course. Let's talk a bit about your research. Um, You're doing a PhD at the moment, aren't you? And what's that in? Yeah, I'm looking at um, food policy elements relating to um, English food markets. And I'm looking at the the policy mechanisms and the tensions that exist between uh, food market customers, the market traders, uh, and the, the people that actually run and manage markets. And I've done a series of nested case studies in the process of writing it up and it's been really interesting as you expect with these things to um, to see how it is that the non-mainstream supermarket supply chains actually work and some of the, the positives and negatives associated with market shopping and, and informal retailing. Hmm. Food street markets has that been something that you've um, had a, a particular interest in looking into um, for a while? Yeah I've been looking at them on and off for maybe the past five or six years but I think there's there's always been a lot that's written been written about the supermarkets um, and if you look in other parts of the world unstructured retailing markets can sometimes be the actual dominant means of food acquisition and food supply so really I'm just saying well okay it still exists um, in England and in the UK it's very often labelled as either traditional or a, a hidden sector and exploring that's been been really really interesting and I think if we're looking at possibly shifts in the way that we think about food eating it is one thing preparing it is another but also buying it and understanding the supply chains another as well mm, because it's often something quite sort of rewarding by buying something local or you know or you know a bit more of the story about where it's come from isn't there people people do get quite a, a kick out of that once they've done it yeah there's there, there is provenance is always important and it's always something that um that people talk about when you ask them why is it that you actually shop at markets i think the you know an understanding of where it comes from and very often for a lot of people it's about the relationship with the producer but um I think it, it's important also to differentiate that sometimes some of the products that are sold in food markets because they're niche are expensive. Um, but also when you look at some of the inner city markets and you go and you can do weekly shops there cheaper than you can do at the supermarkets. So there, there's, there's, there's benefits at both ends of the spectrum, really. Do you think that the um, shift in trends that we, that we sort of talked about just now, really, do you think that's sort of making it... So it made it a little bit easier for some of these newer food suppliers for people that want to do the new like pop-ups as well street food markets as well do you think it's easier for them to 
establish themselves to get themselves out there now because there is more of a market for them again i i think it i think it is um and i think one of one of the drivers for that's actually been the emergence of the food discounters because if you if you look historically a, a a vast majority of UK consumers are always shopped at the big four supermarkets and the discounters have have come into the market. They're doing really, really well. You know, some of their stores are trading 40, 50% up year on year, which is unheard of. And I think it's encouraging that if people can shift their weekly shop from the big supermarkets to the discounters, uh, where they've got more limited ranges and obviously the prices are a lot cheaper, then... When you think about other formats of retailing, whether it's the pop-ups that you mentioned or whether it's the markets that you mentioned, people will be more open to actually shopping at those kind of formats as well. So I, I, I think it, you know there are lots of positives that are out there at the moment. Um, I think it will probably take a while for people to maybe make a conscientious choice and consistently shop at markets or at pop-ups, but I think the levels of awareness are actually increasing. Yeah, and if you were setting up as a from the business side does it almost feel i mean it's still going to be a bit of a risk to to do this but does it feel like a you know it feels like it's more worth the gamble at the moment i think i think there's always an element of risk that sits there anyway but the the thing with with markets is that the the there are very low barriers to entry anybody that's got an idea or a product as long as they're as they're registered with the, the local authority in an appropriate way can can sell food so there's low barriers to entry the startup costs are actually low so if for example you've you've just started um i don't know an independent bakery um and you've got a limited product range and a limited production run it's an ideal thing without the costs of a bricks and mortar store to see what the response is to your product we end every podcast with some questions away from work five just very quick fire um questions so the first one would be what advice would you give to your younger self uh, there's three things uh, i would say if you're not learning anything new or being developed don't be afraid to move on and move on um, try to be a little less risk averse and uh, value your time more don't waste a second good advice um, can you pick a favorite place in sussex uh, yeah I'm, I'm very fortunate i've got an allotment that overlooks the english channel on the west hill in hastings um, so I've got the sight, sound, smell of the sea and can watch the growing seasons pass by. I mean, it's pretty much a perfect place, yeah. even if I'm not growing that much in terms of crops. So that, that's my favourite place. Yeah, any time of year, I imagine, as well. Yeah, uh, and actually I prefer the winter. What are you currently reading, watching and or listening to? OK, um, reading, I tend to go back from time to time. There's a book by Polly Toynbee called um, Hard Work Life. Life in low-pay Britain, and it just kind of reminds me of how fortunate I am. It was written in 2003, but it's also quite a, a stark reminder of the fact, if you look at what's happening today, of how how little we've done to alleviate poverty in the UK. So it, it kind of it sits there as a reminder. Um, other ones, there's a, a book, which is from a PhD, um, Street Vending in the Neoliberal City by... Christina Graff and Noah Haar and it just looks at case studies of different markets around the world but um, coming back to the previous point about people changing their, their shopping habits and things I, I think it, um, although it discusses the tensions between the food actors and their families and the people that police markets particularly it also has a silver lining and there's a lot of resilience in the people that are working in markets and I think there's a, there's a lot of hope there for that kind of retail format 
Um, the final one is the there's a there's a great food tourism book by Sally Everett. That book is is just great. Everything comes through. Her passion for the subject comes through in every word. Can you describe your perfect weekend? Oh dear, three things: going down to the local microbrewery on a Friday night, having a pizza. As long as I don't overdo it, that's fine. Um, gardening and pottering all day on a Saturday. Um, whether it's at home or on the allotment and then Sunday either a long bike ride on a decent road with no potholes and no punctures or um, just windsurfing anywhere where there's a decent cross-shore wind force three to four ideally and then collapsing reading the papers lovely Um, and finally if you can invite three people to dinner past or present who would they be and why number one Steve Bell Um, his cartoons never fail to make me actually smile uh, and just provoke thoughts on the issues of the day I'm sure the conversation would be great just to have insights into into his perspectives on current affairs Um, Jay Rayner just because in terms of his his reviews he's brutally honest in everything that he writes and inevitably the discussion would lead to food so I think you'd probably be guaranteed that it would be a good meal Um, and then just David Bowie because of his massive influence on my generation really. Thanks to Harvey for his time to find out more about the nutrition course just click or tap the links in the podcast description if you're not already don't forget you can like and subscribe to this podcast we're on most podcast apps like iTunes and Spotify just search University of Brighton. Thanks for listening.